Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. partner and welcome to the weekend wrap for NRL round three. This is not just a sports report if you weren't aware and yeah really getting into the rugby league season. Now weekend wrap what it's all about is getting through the weekend's action. Uh, It's a shorter format so I like to go a bit longer when it's kind of due for it not all the time in the previews Uh, but the weekend wraps a little bit shorter I also had an important family wedding at my dad's actually on Saturday, so I missed most of the action, but I'm still going to get to that. You better believe at certain points, just a little check on the phone of KO of how are the Mighty Warriors going against the Cowboys. They were going pretty well. Uh, Then funnily enough at the wedding, randomly, this is in Melbourne, so not like a rugby league heartland at all. one of the younger kids, one of the younger kids was on his phone and I just happened to see that the Broncos were on and I was like, oh, what's the score? And I was like, holy shit, it's like 40 to 18. And he was like, yeah, I'm a Broncos fan. I was like, good on you. Nice to meet you. So look, I kept up with what was going on on Saturday, including the Titan Storm game, uh, but I watched Thursday, Friday and Sunday. So I'll get to all the games. That's basically what's in store today. And the only other thing, uh, because there was no real news that I was like, all right, I'm keen to jump into this news. I'm just like, all right, we'll just get amongst the games pretty quickly in the podcast. Uh, The only thing I'm going to do before that is I'm going to talk a bit about my performance highlights from round three. Uh, We post them each week on, or I post them, (laughs) really. I post them. I don't know who we is, Um, but... Yeah, I post them, and it's basically performance highlights, player of the round. We have the rising star, uh, which at the end of the year you get to vote on over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report. Last year's rising star, Jeremiah Nanai. Last year, our player of the year, uh, Nico Hines. And the Tough Stuff winner was Isaiah Papali'i. Now, let's get to the performance highlights from round three, and I'll start with the talking point. And I guess in terms of news, this really is the biggest news, less about round three and much more about round four. My talking point from round three uh, is the impending Broncos against the Dolphins chat. Now, both of these sides have provided some of the biggest talking points early this year. And I mean, this is going to be the game of the year so far. And in terms of historic events in rugby league, Uh, This is going to be one of the games of 2023, especially given both sides having a dream start. Uh, It's worked out very well for the NRL from a business standpoint, working out very well for the Brisbane Broncos. Reese Walsh, a game-changing signing. Uh, Then you look at the Dolphins, who are surprising everyone. I've tipped against them every round, uh, and now I can't help but respect them. They've forced me to respect their style of play, and who knows? Who knows what their ceiling is? So it's a very exciting game. 
Uh, and I'll mainly talk about that in the preview podcast, which I'm recording both today. So I'm going to record the weekend wrap while I wait for team lists to be announced. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go in for a pretty big preview. Not too long, but I'm really keen to get into that game. So instead of talking about it for the round three wrap, I feel like it's more fitting to really get amongst it for the preview podcast, which will be released tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Now, let's get to my player of the round. That was from the Manly Seagulls, Tom Trebojevic. That's very scary, uh, given that Cherry Evans was my player of the round in round one. So Seagulls, it's been a red-hot start. I've liked what I've seen, and for Trebojevic... Trebojevic, goodness gracious, it's not the easiest name to say, but Trebojevic, uh, he had two tries, 204 run meters, had a try assist, and 10 tackle breaks against Parramatta in a really close game that ended up being decided by a pretty small margin, albeit that it was a very high scoring game. So Tom Trebojevic, he was absolutely the difference in that one, and look, a lot of great players over the weekend but my personal player of the round, I went with Tom Trebojevic. As for my moment of the round, well, like I said, I was out on Saturday, but I did check the scores a couple of times. And then when I looked and it was Warriors 26, Cowboys 12. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That was my moment of the round. And I try to look at things from an unbiased perspective as well. I really considered... Uh, a lot of other things. Dolphins, for instance, have been the moment of the round basically every round so far. Uh, but I want the Warriors. They win in Townsville. They break this horrible streak they'd been on of losses consecutively in Australian games. Uh, and now Warriors, they travel to Townsville against the Cowboys. Nobody gave them a chance except me. I did tip them. Uh, that was a game changer in my tipping competition. Uh, choosing Warriors and Raiders for omen reasons. Uh, that got me right back in the contest after a kind of shaky start. So that was my moment to the win. Now, the game itself I didn't get to see, which was unfortunate. I tuned into highlights, uh, but I'm, I feel so blessed. For the first time in so long as a Warriors fan, we can finally get excited about the season. I don't think we're getting too ahead of ourselves, even though we are known to get a bit ahead of ourselves. I don't know if it's our year this year, uh, but I really like the direction the club's going in. We're just quietly sitting in the top four right now. Definitely don't expect us to stay there. Um, but Warriors fans would know, we almost always have really poor starts. And then it's like, we're always trying to make up ground and we've been very unsuccessful for a long time now, dating all the way back to the 2011 grand final. Since that point, we've done pretty much absolutely nothing of note other than getting bounced out of the finals in week one. Other than that, we haven't even been making finals. So like, I'm not sitting here saying we're going to make top four. Even top eight is going to be very hard. It's a competitive competition this year, uh, but I'm just happy to see us back in the mix and early. It's a good start and the attitude and the resilience, the new players, the same players who were already there, the coach, Andrew Webster, it's mixing nicely. So that was my moment of the round. It made me very happy, I must tell you. 
I must tell you, it made me very happy, especially on the Saturday night. Uh, I'd had a few drinks, went into the bathroom. Sometimes, you know, you go in the bathroom and you're like, whoa, okay, I stood up. That was a bit of a, a bit of a thing. Uh, but then I was in the bathroom. I was just like, holy shit, up the wires. I can't believe that. We won in Townsville. And yeah, I wasn't really expecting us to, but we did it. And I like the direction we're heading in. So I'm very happy, even now. The happiness hasn't stopped and it won't stop until we lose again. So yeah, that's my moment of the bloody round. Warriors beat Cowboys in Townsville. Now onto my Tough Stuff nomination, which as I said, gets voted on at the end of the year, uh, keeping a tally throughout the season. Last year, it was Isaiah Papali'i, but one of the guys who was in contention and gets the nomination here in round three is Payne Haas. Payne Haas is so destructive. Now, like I said, I didn't really get to catch much of the Broncos-Dragons game, uh, but Payne Haas absolutely killed it. I did my research. I made sure, you know, I knew enough about what was going on to be able to comment on it. And what I do know is Payne Haas has an enormous frame. He utilizes that to his advantage more often than not as well. Opposition defenses, they really struggle to contain him and he plays really big minutes uh, for such a huge guy as well. So Payne Haas, he got the Tough Stuff nomination. His physical presence was felt in every contest. 15 hit-ups against St. George. Payne ran for 240 meters with 104 of those being post-contact meters. So if you want to talk about getting your side on the front foot, not only are they struggling to tackle him, he's already making meters, but even when they've got a hold of him, he's made over 100 meters. So, I mean, if you want to talk about tough stuff, that is it right there. And it's tough stuff with a big tinge of X factor as well. He's not your average front rower. He can do some very special things as well. Uh, Like Patrick Carrigan, more of your, like he plays a very different role as well. Um, but he's more like a hard-working middle forward, a good communicator. Uh, and he's got X-Factor in his own right, but not quite that huge play, I guess. Although, the more I think about it, he has made some pretty huge plays. But Payne Haas, he's just got that X-Factor um, that he throws in there with being an elite front rower on top of that. Now, Payne also produced two line break assists up against the Dragons. He had two tackle breaks and 100% tackle efficiency, 26 tackles made, zero misses for Payne Haas. So he absolutely gets the Tough Stuff nomination here. Uh, Jake Trebojevic was in the frame as well. I was really impressed with what I saw uh, from Jake up against the Eels, but I ended up going with Payne Haas. I mean, the stats don't lie. The domination against the Dragons don't lie. And Broncos undefeated so far this year that doesn't lie either Payne Haas has been a huge part of that and he is my tough stuff nomination now on to the rising star uh now very interesting point rising star a uh, best young player gonna nominate one every round then the best four get into the final four uh last season it was Taylor May Isaac Tongo uh Jeremiah Nanai who ended up winning and Joseph Swali'i. So they ended up being a very high class last season. This year it hasn't been as emphatic a start, but still some really good young names. Now Isaiah Katoa, 
He was the Round 1 Rising Star nomination. Then it was Jacob Preston. Now, another young Bulldog, which is a great sign for Canterbury fans. My Rising Star nomination for Round 3 is Paul Alamotti. Now, Bulldogs building very nicely. Paul Alamotti, he's a young player of great promise, and he finds himself in a very great position, almost quite literally where he is positioned uh, in the left center, with Josh Adokar outside of him, Viliami Kikau on the inside, Matt Burton uh, playing the dominant left side. So, very exciting. Throw in the fact that you've got Reed Marnie, who's giving the best service in the game to these guys. Um, I'm really excited about where the Bulldogs are at. And in my opinion, the Bulldogs have such a great mix of marquee recruits alongside fresh faces like Jacob Preston, like Paul Alamoti, who have both already been nominated for the Rising Star this year. Uh, it's a big future ahead for the Canterbury Bulldogs. And as far as Alamotti and his great game against the Tigers, some long-range brilliance. Now, the try assist to Josh Adokar, uh, the one where he passed it a bit early and it came back to him and then he just waited it perfectly. Uh, that was epic. And Paul Alamotti finishing with two try assists in the game, a line break, and he ran for 191 metres. So Paul Alamotti, definitely a player of the future. Throw in Jacob Kiraz, who was almost player of the round last weekend. Uh, Jacob Preston. And all over this Bulldog side, it's starting to get very exciting. Then you look at this side in New South Wales Cup on the weekend, and Khaled Rajab and Karl Oloapu, or Oloapu, uh, he and Rajab both could be players of the future as well, definitely, especially Karl. Uh, so things looking very exciting. Bulldogs actually won in every grade, including the women's. Bulldogs won in every grade on the weekend. And I think over the next couple of years, this, this is a premiership outfit. So as to how far they can go this year under Cameron Sereldo, well, now it's starting to get exciting. It's still very early in the piece. Seraldo and the team, they're going to know what they've got ahead of them. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, but one of the keys is having these young guys and getting them playing to their potential, which is something Seraldo is just known for. Look at the fact that Jacob Preston is playing footy at such a high level when pretty much everyone other than maybe the rugby league guru, had no idea who this kid was last year. Then Paul Alamotti, we all knew who he was, uh, but he hadn't quite made the jump to the physicality of NRL level. Looking at him on the weekend, Paul Alamotti, he's ready to be a consistent first grader week in and week out. So very exciting for the Bulldogs. Not so exciting for my cause for concern in round three, that being the Melbourne Storm. Now, I know they have key players out, but they are in real uh, danger, not so much long-term, but definitely in the short-term uh, when it comes to making the top eight this year. I still think they've got a lot of the right pieces in terms of the young guys that they're bringing through. And I think ultimately Storm, they're not going to have this huge drop-off, but this year it definitely looks like they're going to dip. I think they'll bounce back, but... Yeah, the, the amount of points they're conceding, it's just 
a totally different version of the Melbourne Storm that we haven't seen before. They have key players out. Then they have even more key players who've just left the club, like Cheese, Felice Cafusi, the Bromwich brothers, and look how the Dolphins are going as well, having taken three of those crucial Storm leaders. Uh, So it's a big dip. I do think alarm bells are starting to ring over in Melbourne, and with their Ford pack decimated, I think and in terms of cause for concern, there are a couple of other clubs amongst the competition, but I just think because Melbourne Storm, they come into every season looking to win the Premiership, uh, so my cause for concern isn't that Storm are about to face this huge drop-off, the cause for concern is that maybe they're out of title contention. And given that this is probably Bellamy's last season, or a one-off, has Bellamy won his last premiership at the Melbourne Storm? So there's a bit of a cause for concern, not a major one, but definitely cause for concern in the short term. I I don't know whether the side's capable of going all the way. They're definitely capable of making me look stupid for saying that when you think about Munster and Jerome Hughes, a a fully fit Pappenhausen. But I'm just not seeing it right now. And the last two weekends, it's just been so different. But it might just take time for it to click. So this one's only a little cause for concern. Melbourne Storm, whilst Titans, just quietly, two wins from three games this season. That's a positive start. That's a good win for the Titans. And now we'll have to see how the Gold Coast go for the rest of the year. Um, After the cause for concern... This kind of links into that. It's a Melbourne Storm player for knocking on the door. That is a player in reserve grade who's killing it and really stating a claim as to why they should be called up to first grade. Suafar Logo, uh, he's been really, really good at fullback early this season in the Q Cup for the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Sunshine Coast dominated against Ipswich Jets. Now Jets, one of the respectfully weaker sides in the Q Cup, um, but I just thought Farlogo, he's looked awesome from the preseason all the way through uh, to the early Q Cup stages, and Melbourne Storm, they might be looking for a little bit of something. I don't know, he could fit somewhere in that back line. I don't know, I just, I think he's knocking on the door, Suofanga and I would love to see him get an opportunity. So that is my reserve grade player, keep an eye out for him. Uh, I think Storm could use him in some capacity. Now, before I get to the team of the round and then finish the podcast by going through the games this round, uh, let's do a little socials plug. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at Not Just Sports Report. We actually post, again, we, I actually post um, these performance highlights in visual form. So if you don't want to hear me rant for 20 minutes, and you just want to know the performance highlights, they are posted on our Instagram. Takes less than a minute to look through. Uh, there you go. If, but if you like the podcast, if you're enjoying this version and getting the full breakdown, which you don't get on the Instagram, Instagram you just get a snippet, and then on the podcast I kind of explain um, my choices for the performance highlights. Uh, but if you're enjoying this podcast version, then give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now. You'll be able to see whenever weekend rap podcasts are posted. And of course, a huge one uh, tomorrow being posted 
on Wednesday, NRL, the round four preview podcast. And I'm going to be going in for that one, especially Broncos and Dolphins. Uh, But there are a lot of games and a lot of very interesting things that could happen. I'm thinking Eels, could they get their first win of the season against the Panthers? It seems unlikely, but I don't know. Eels, they're going to be fired up. Then you've got the Melbourne Storm against the Tigers, which, again, it feels like the safe bet is Storm at Amy Park. But now I don't know. Now I really don't know. Tigers, that's another one that I'm going to have to think about these games. I'm really going to have to... I want to try and get my picks back up and running because I wasn't focusing too strongly on who I was tipping, more so the preview element. And I've gone all right in the tipping competition. I'm coming fifth. But now I was like, okay, well, let's go to the next level. Now let me really try and work out which way I'm going and who's going to get the win. And then I can chuck some money on it as well. But this seems like a danger betting round. Uh, So the round four preview, that'll be coming out tomorrow. And I'm really excited to get into all of the games. And very excited, not just for Broncos Dolphins, uh, but Warriors back at Mount Smart Stadium against the Bulldogs. Two sides have been right down the bottom of the ladder for a while now. And both of them, they've got an excited set of fans. And New Zealand, Mount Smart Stadium could be a real point of difference. Uh, But those dogs, they've got a mighty team. And I remember going to Mount Smart Stadium as a child and watching us play the Bulldogs. And we're talking like Matt Utah fucking us up. The first couple of times I remember going to Warriors games, we got absolutely belted. And I was like, uh, to be honest, like it, I was always a Warriors fan, but it wasn't until I actually moved to Australia that I was went to that next level because I was like, fuck, now I have a greater appreciation uh, but when I was a kid, I was like, uh, these guys are awesome, but they also suck. Like, the play, like we're losing all the time, but we're also doing dope shit, like Paliasena running off the back fence. Uh, but anyway, I'm, getting, I'm going on a tangent here. But Warriors, Bulldogs, uh, I've seen the Bulldogs fuck us up many times. Hopefully the Warriors can fuck them up. But yeah, I don't think there will be any fucking up going on, because both these sides seem very much game, so I'm excited, and if I was a Bulldogs fan, if I chuck my Bulldogs cap on right now, I'm very excited. So that's just two games coming up in a stacked round that also includes a grand final rematch from last year. Oh, the preview is going to be very, very fun. So now let's get into the review, the weekend wrap from round three, and then we're going to turn our focus to the round four preview. So I'm excited. With two back-to-back podcasts, I'm going to have to get very pumped up about my rugby league. So luckily I am. Now, let's get pumped up about the eight games over the weekend. Let's start Thursday night, Four Pines Park, the Manly Sea Eagles under Anthony Seabold, flying, the Eagles rocking, the Eels shocking. Let's get amongst the Thursday night game. Manly 34, Eels 30 in the Thursday night game. Eels now 0-3, whilst the Seagulls, uh, they had the bye and they are 2 from 2. So under Anthony Seabold, Seagulls look 
they look phenomenal right now, I gotta say. And I think if they if they stay on track and continue to play the way that they are playing, uh, come September, they are gonna be right in the mix. And they could be one of the big dark horses of this season to actually go all the way. If Tom Trebojevic stays on the park, I think they can go all the way. There's a long, long season ahead though. Um, but I'm very positive about the Seagulls right now. Very different looking team to the one that finished 2022. They looked awful. They had lost their resilience. This is a different manly side. 34 to 30 as well. Now I put that down to the heat. Very hot conditions over the weekend. Saw plenty of drink breaks going on. Uh, but ultimately, watching that game, it always felt like the Seagulls were going to win. Then there were a couple of stages where the Eels, they had chances to steal the game. And I thought they were very impressive in patches, but there were also parts of the Eels game that I didn't enjoy watching. Uh, and I wouldn't have if I was an Eels fan, hoping that they had won. Uh, but I kind of hope they lost, because just the Ryan Madison thing is funny. That, yeah, he just was like, I'm not paying the fine. And then they've dropped their first three games. They've badly been missing a back rower as well. So as a neutral fan, I'm just kind of like, lol. Um, but yeah, Eels under Brad Arthur could definitely miss the top eight this year. I never thought they were a lock for that. They definitely could still be in premiership contention, but very poor start. And yeah, they are in danger of missing the eight. I think a lot of the sides below them are on the up, whilst they've let some key players go. Reed Marnie, Isaiah Papali'i. Um, yeah, I'm just not quite sure about the Eels. I'm not too critical of them yet. I think a huge test of where they're at is going to come in round four against the Panthers, another game I'm very keen to get into the preview podcast for. Uh, but right now, Eels 0-3. Manly decide to get excited about Eels more decided to be concerned about, and that was all there really was to this game. Eels nearly stealing it in the end, but manly too good. I put a lot of that down to Tom Trebojevic. That was why he was my player of the round. Ruben Garrick has been looking awesome early on in the season. Hamole Olikawatu. Uh, now, oh, I didn't even get to the team of the week, did I? I forgot to do the team of the week. Bloody hell, I'm a silly... Silly motherfucker. Uh, we'll pull that up now. I think I basically had spoken about um, that Seagulls game. Eels nearly took it, but yeah, they just didn't have they didn't have enough for Manly. And I'm really encouraged by what I've seen from the Seagulls. Uh, but yeah, the last of the performance highlights. Goodness gracious, I just got too excited about the preview and then too excited about the weekend wrap. Goodness gracious. Uh, so my team of the round... We'll go through it quickly, then get to the Friday night games. Uh, Tom Trebojevic at fullback. On the wings, I had Jackson Paolo, who had a massive game against his former side uh, in Roosters Colours. And Tessie New, he was my winger of the round. In the centres, Katoni Staggs and the rising star, Paul Alamotti. In the halves, I had Tamare Martin and Adam Reynolds. Up front, Corey Horsburgh, Payne Huss with Harry Grant, in the dummy half position. Kurt Capewell and Hamole Olakawatu in the back row. Uh, and Victor Radley 
adds the lock forward. So, yeah, sorry, I smashed that team of the round. Uh, but you can always go on the Instagram if you want to have a proper look at all of that stuff. So, there you go. Sorry, I forgot the team of the round. I'm sure you all would have been spewing, being like, oh my god, he's forgot the team of the round. What the fuck, I only tuned in to hear his team of the round. But I digress, that was the team of the round. Now that basically as well was the Manly Seagulls game up against the Eels. It just, it always kind of felt like Manly were going to win. They raced out to an early lead, scoring the first two tries. And to Eels' credit, they stayed with Manly, uh, but just left themselves with too much to do in the end. Manly 34-30 over the Eels. And now let's take a look at the Friday night games. Okay, so two Friday games to get to. We'll start with the early Friday contest at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. Now this one, the Dolphins, the travelling side, 3-0 to start this season, 36-20 over the Knights. Now for Newcastle, Lachlan Miller looked outstanding. Very good for my uh, Supercoach draft side. Very happy with that from Lachlan Miller. Uh, but Newcastle, other than that, pretty ordinary. They are my pick for the wooden spoon. Uh, now four huge outs. They were missing Kalen Ponga, Jaden Braley, Tyson Frizzell, Jacob Saifiti. So a, a lot of changes. Now I ended up tipping the Knights. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how many times I'll do that again throughout the season. Phoenix Crossland at number nine leaves a lot to be desired comparatively uh, to the other options. They let Chris Randall go. Uh, no Jaden Braley here. I think Newcastle are in for a lean season. And Adam O'Brien, he's going to have to turn the ship around pretty soon. Otherwise, he may not see out the 2023 season as coach. Now, for the Knights, I'm hearing Dominic Young set to be dropped when the team lists are announced for round four. That would see Greg Marzu come in. Now, Greg Marzu played very well at New South, uh, New South Wales Cup level, as did Bailey Hodgson, a uh, young fullback. Now, Knights, their squad is already getting stretched. They're having to pick some development players. And yeah, in this game, they just looked very ordinary. Now, on the flip side of that, Dolphins looked fantastic. Tessie New and my team of the week scoring a hat-trick. Jermaine Azarko with a late double. Uh, I was very impressed with what I saw from Jermaine. Uh, we saw Kurt Donahue start the game uh, in the dummy half position. And then Cody Nikarima came off the bench uh, for his first game in Dolphins colours. I thought Nikarima provided a really bright spark. And overall, uh, look, Dolphins have earned my respect. And I will no longer be doubting them. I think, I mean, top eight. To start three from three... Top 8 is very much achievable. It's just going to be a test to keep this up all season. And if they can get it, like get through without too many injuries. Dolphins, I mean, they're making moves. There's no doubt about that. Uh, looking at, at a couple of the stats, Phoenix Crossland with 50 tackles. Uh, so he was made to work in the middle. Uh, most meters, Tessie New with 230. Also had two line breaks, three tries. Uh, not too much to report other than that. I believe Felice Kafusi was placed on report, so I'm really hoping he'll be free to play against the Broncos in round four. 
Uh, but this, it was pretty much Dolphins all day. They just seemed, they seemed to be a step above the Knights. Newcastle, their depth, pretty shocking. I mean, they lose a few players, and yes, very key players, uh, but they just have no one, it seems, ready to step up and take ownership of these positions that have come available. Tyson Gamble, he's doing quite well, and I thought it was a crafty signing, but Newcastle, I'm sticking with them as my pick to win the Wooden Spoon this year. Uh, so big win for Dolphins, and I'll save most of my Dolphins chat for the preview of round four, uh, just given that the nature of the game against the Broncos, it is going to be such an epic clash. So I will be going for a longer preview of the Dolphins and Broncos game. Uh, so for the weekend wrap, I'll keep it pretty short. 36 to 20, highly impressive win yet again from the Dolphins. Hamaso Tabuai Fado uh, looked awesome once again. And I mean, they're, they're coming along a lot better and a lot more quickly than I thought, and then a lot of people thought. So Dolphins 36-20 over the Knights, and then that led to the oldest rivalry in rugby league, the Roosters getting it done 20 points to 18 over the Rabbitohs. Uh, now, that was about as close a game as I was expecting. Uh, it took a little while for them to get going, both sides, um, but Roosters, Roosters getting the chockies. I thought Jared Wairia Hargreaves, Brandon Smith, both of them coming off the bench, played a huge role in that. Uh, I thought in a tight contest, that was the tipping point. And Roosters just all over, seemingly the uh, better side on the night. And Rabbitohs failing to, failing to get that start that's not essential, uh, but it's going to be a really tough, tough competition this year. You don't want to lose too much ground early on in the season. And now Rabbitohs, back-to-back losses against the Panthers and then the Roosters. And as one of the competition heavyweights, and a side that are right in premiership comp- uh, contention, rather, South Sydney, they've got two assignments over the last fortnight that tells them exactly where they're at when it comes to the very best sides in the competition. And right now, the Rabbitohs definitely have some work to do. Now, I think as the season goes on, we'll see Cody Walker lift, we'll see Latrell lift, and Colin Matangi, uh, he's been killing it for the Rabbitohs. So I still think they are in premiership contention, uh, but Roosters getting it done. Huge shout out to my winger in the team of the week, that being Jackson Paolo, taking on his former team, the Rabbitohs, after some dramas on the field last year, some poor form. Roosters, they saw something in Jackson Parlow. They said, come over to the club. He has killed it in the preseason, made that right wing spot his own, and a double, a tri-double at crucial points in this contest. Uh, Rabbitohs, look, they started fast. It did take them a while to really truly get going, uh, but they had two tries in the first 15 minutes, so... And they got going, but they just failed to really take it up that next gear as the game went on. Whereas for the Roosters, massive game from their forwards, huge game from Jackson Paolo. Uh, I thought the halves were terrific. Um, you've obviously also got James Tedesco, Victor Radley, who was in my team of the week at Lock Ford. This Roosters side at full tilt. I mean, I hadn't even mentioned 
Joey Manu, Golden Boot winner, Joseph Swali'i, the hottest young talent in the game. So Roosters, they get the win, and both sides just easing into the season. I think overall, come the pointy end of the year, both of these sides are going to be in contention. But Roosters, with a terrific win, they will be stoked about that, and the Rabbitohs will be absolutely stinging as we now turn our focus to the Super Saturday games. Okay, on to the Saturday fixtures now. Uh, first game of Super Saturday, uh, as I mentioned, I had my father's wedding. So the festivities kind of kicked off around the same time as the footy. So I missed the Titans versus the Storm. Had a couple of score checks and without sitting down and watching the game, I'm shocked that the Storm had 38 points put on them. That's not something we are used to seeing, especially when they're supposed to be having a bounce back game coming off an awful performance at home in the loss against the Bulldogs, where they conceded 26 fairly quick points. Uh, I thought Storm, they were absolutely due for a bounce back. They had Tui coming back. They had Justin Olam. They had Tarek Sims making his club debut. Uh, But it appears the cracks may be a little bit more than we had initially expected as far as the Melbourne Storm. That is why they are my cause for concern. Uh, 38 points put on them. I mean, as far as Melbourne Storm goes, that is very concerning. But let's look more in a positive light of this game. Fantastic result for the Titans at home. They are now two from three this season. Aaron Shoup, a new signing, scoring a double, had his best game in Titans colours, as did young Alofi Khan Pereira. He also crossed for two tries, uh, managing to hold that spot on the wing as well. Uh, keeping the spot with Brian Kelly returning to the side. Uh, we saw Jojo Fafita drop out. But really positive signs for the Gold Coast. AJ Brimson at fullback. He's spoken recently uh, about how he wants to really push for that Queensland Maroons fullback jersey. Obviously, it's Callum Ponga's jersey to lose. But a lot of concussion issues and things like that are definitely opening some doors. Uh, Brimson in pretty stiff competition with Reese Walsh who looks pretty set to be the next man up. I think if Reese Walsh continues to play the way that he is, he should be named at fullback for the Maroons. But let's go back to the Gold Coast. Very positive performance. They're building nicely. Kieran Foran has been a tremendous signing and Chris Randall stepping into the number nine with Sam Verrills out. I thought Chris Randall had a solid game. And big Tino for Suomalaawi. Didn't he make his presence felt in this one? Titans. Could they be on the up? Are they on the up? I'm wondering exactly where the Titans are at. Because they had potential. They made finals two out of the last three years. But in 2022, they regressed significantly. So this is the kind of start Titans fans would be hoping for. Anytime you can beat the Melbourne Storm, that is a fantastic moment. And the Titans have done that. Now they look forward to next weekend. And there's not just one Queensland derby being played. We are going to have a mammoth clash between the Titans and the Cowboys. Tell you what, if Gold Coast win next weekend, then I'll be speaking, I think, a little bit more of an extended thoughts in terms of their season. I'm still waiting to see 
Right now, Gold Coast aren't a top eight side for mine, but they've beaten the storm and they're seemingly on the up. Some nice combinations as well. So huge win for the Titans. Very disappointing loss for the Melbourne Storm. And like I said, I didn't get to watch this game. So I am very excited to buckle up and watch all the Super Saturday and pretty much just all the footy in general over round four. Uh, but Gold Coast getting it done. Melbourne Storm, a few question marks there, most definitely. But now, let's get to my favourite game of the weekend. The Cowboys in Townsville, simply not good enough for the mighty Warriors. New Zealand ending a bad losing streak in Australia. And now they have a W in Townsville. Warriors 26, Cowboys 12. Let's now dive into that game. And I apologize to Cowboys fans. I'll be going in depth for their game against the Titans in terms of the round four preview. Uh, but as a Warriors fan, I just... Cowboys, they're going to be back. It wasn't their best performance by any stretch. They now sit 15th on the ladder. So there's a lot to talk about, but I will save that for the preview. I'm not that worried about Cowboys. I think they're going to bounce back for sure. They've got such a great team. Um, maybe just out enthused on this occasion. So, yeah, Cowboys not with the best start to the season. But I, I, st- I still think they're definitely in with a chance of going all the way to the grand final this year. But let me talk about my beloved Warriors. So good. Just seeing the way we've started the season. Starts are very important. Not for every side, as you can see. Like Cowboys, the start wasn't essential. Uh, same for the Roosters, Rabbitohs. Now, Melbourne Storm always like to start strong. Uh, but like, yeah, not every club comes racing out of the blocks. It is a long season. But as a Warriors fan, when we tend to start the season poorly, which has been a lot, it it just kind of sets the tone. And that that's kind of how it plays out throughout the entire year. Now, the only time we've made the top eight since... Um, the 2011 Grand Final was under Stephen Kearney. It was back when Roger Tuivasa-Shek was at the club. I believe Tohu Harris had just arrived, who plays his 200th game in this one against the Cowboys. Congratulations to Tohu. He is the perfect captain, and I'm so glad he's come over, or he came over. He's been here for ages uh, from the Melbourne Storm. He's just, he's so consistent. and One of my favorite players in the NRL. I think like similar but very different skill sets. Torhu got a bit of X factor about him, but similar to like a Simon Mannering, who's just given so much of himself physically to the Warriors jersey. Um, congratulations to Torhu on 200 games. But yeah, 26 to 12 Warriors. We've got off to a nice start, and it's a long season. Um, I'm definitely keeping a lid on it, but I'm excited because it's been a long time since I've been able to get excited about the Warriors in any capacity, really. Um, so it, it is very exciting. It's a long season. I'm still... Well, now, I, top eight's the goal for me because I feel like if we can get to top eight, then then we'd be good. Uh, and what I was saying as well before going back to when Torhu Harris came to the club, the last time we made the top eight, uh, we got off to a good start in that season so I do think it is key and now we've got off to a great start 
I think the Nathan Brown years respectfully set us back a little bit. Um, same as the things like paying out Matt Lodge to not even pay for us, uh, play for us. But here we are. We've got the coach right now. I'm a huge fan of Andrew Webster. Massive fan of our signings. Um, and yeah, as far as the game, Marcelo Montoya scoring a double. Now, when Marcelo first came to the club, he was let go by the Bulldogs. To be honest, I didn't like the signing. And it took a while uh, for me to warm to Marcelo. Not that I disliked him, I was just... I liked Ken Malmalo a lot, and I liked David Fusatua, um, and things like that. So, Marcelo Montoya took him a while to grow on me. Now he's in career best form, and he's well and truly grown on me. I love Marcelo Montoya. Marcelo, if you're listening, I love you, bro. I fucking truly do. Uh, he's really making that left wing position his own. And Marcelo, it's a cool name too, Marcelo Montoya. He's on one wing. Ed Cossey is on the other wing. What a redemption he has had since I saw him uh, play in person last year at Amy Park. 70-10, to 10, Storm put an absolute score on us. Uh, but Cossey's bounced back. And Kosi's corner getting another run whilst Dallin Wateni's Zalesniak is out. And that's exciting in itself as well. I'm actually very pumped for DWZ to get back into the picture. Uh, he had played a couple of games for the Kiwis at the World Cup and he looked awesome. So I'm keen for Dallin to get back, but I'm loving these wingers too, Kosi and Marcelo Montoya. And then in the centres, Viliami Vailea got called up. Um, was in the NA 18 jersey. Can't speak English. Whoops, what a what a shocker. Um, Viliami Valer. I've really high raps on this kid. I think he's a future part of this team. He's also a present part of this team, a very present part. He played in this win. Uh, but looking forward at the next five or ten years and building toward hopefully, as a Warriors fan, something special. I definitely see Viliami as a part of that. The other centre position, we had Adam Pompey in the fullback. An interesting note in this one that I noted in the preview for round three. Now, this year I've done a series, the One to Watch series. It's over on our Instagram. If you've listened to the podcast before, you probably know about the One to Watch series. One young player from every club to keep an eye on. Now, in this game, the two fullbacks playing head-to-head, they were both my ones to watch respectively for their clubs. Tom Chester playing fullback for the Cowboys with Drinkwater out. And for the Warriors, Tane Tuapiki, who, like Vilea, I really see Tane Tuapiki. This could be our long-term answer in the number one jersey. Again, looking at the next five to ten years, I'm really high on Tane Tuapiki and really high on Viliami Vilea. So... I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm just fucking excited. The halves killed it. That excited me greatly. Sean Johnson, he's got his mojo back. It's like Austin Powers. We've seen Austin Powers lose his mojo. And, I mean, even the greats can be totally undone when they lost or lose their mojo. Now, being away from New Zealand, away from his partner, it's hard for SJ to get his mojo. It's hard at the fucking best of times, traditionally, when he's playing for the Warriors. But SJ, he's got his mojo back. I'm smiling. I'm smiling right now. You can't tell because this is an audio, but I'm smiling. 
It's groovy, baby. Sean Johnson has his mojo back. And I think some of that comes down to, if he doesn't get his mojo back, Ronald Volkman playing very well at New South Wales Cup level. And Luke Metcalf, injured at the moment, but he's nipping at the heels of Sean Johnson. So Sean Johnson had to go, holy shit, we got a few halves options, some depth at the club for the first time in a long time. And guys like Volkman and Metcalf, they never lost their mojo. Their mojos haven't even hit their peak. So Sean Johnson, he really had to force the issue. He's got his mojo back. And Tamari Martin, back in the game, had to retire after formerly playing for the Cowboys, who he beat in this one. Even played for them uh, in a grand final. But Tamari Martin now steps back into the halves, his most natural position. Now, he did play a lot of fullback last year for the Broncos. Broncos got Reese Walsh, which was epic for them. Uh, but I'm stoked that we got Tamari Martin. I'm just stoked to see him back on the field. Uh, but pre-Brain Bleed, he was a kid that was being looked at as, especially as a Kiwi, like one of the next big things. Like definitely a New Zealand international. He started as a Tigers under-20s player. And even at that point, I was like, wow, I like this Tamari Martin. So very happy to have him as a part of the team. And he had an awesome performance. Two try assists. And yeah, I thought the halves were major standouts for the Warriors in this one. Up front, we had Adam Fanua Blake produced a try assist. He was phenomenal. Bunty Arfoa, one of my favorite Warriors. Wade Egan. Egan's hitting his straps as well. He was one that when we first signed him, I really liked it. I loved what I'd seen at the Panthers, but a lot of what I'd seen had been produced at New South Wales Cup or under-20s level, and Wade Egan hadn't really been able to make the number nine jersey his own at the Panthers. Then Arpy comes back to Penrith. The rest is history. But Warriors, I really liked this recruitment at the time. Because of the swings and roundabouts, Coruscant returning to the Panthers and things like that, uh, we went for Wade Egan once he fell out of favour, and I've always rated Wade Egan. There's a lot of subtleties about his game that a lot of the great number nines they talk about and they give him big raps for. Now, it took me a little while to be able to see that in Warriors colours, uh, but it's there for all to see now. One of my favourite things watching him come through the grades was Wade's ability to find the try line, and he's done it this season. He's right up amongst the NRL's top try scorers. Went off with a head knock, so I'm unsure whether he's going to play next weekend. Will be interesting to see whether we opt for Freddie Lusick, who I think has been playing really well in reserve grade, uh, or does Jazz Tavanga start? I think both of them are probably going to be involved in the side, uh, but we'll find out at 4pm today as far as the team lists. In the back row, two of our new recruits, Mitch Barnett, Murata Niukore, they've had a fantastic start to the season. And at lock forward, Mr. 200 Games himself, Torhu Harris. I think it spoke volumes about how much these Warriors players, or how highly they think of Torhu Harris. They showed it. Actions speak louder than words, and they really showed how much Torhu means to them. And I feel like you have to, because Torhu, rain, hail, or shine, whether he's having a good week or a bad week up against one of the best teams or the worst teams 
He always shows up for everyone else when everyone else traditionally hasn't shown up for the Warriors. But now, I mean, now a lot of people are showing up. I tell you that much. More people showing up than a fucking Dragon's presentation night. I'll tell you that much for free. Now, nights, nights? <laughs> Where the fuck did I get the nights from in all of this? Uh, maybe the fact that Mitch Barnett crossed over from Newcastle. Uh, but our bench, Dylan Walker, game changer. Boss as fuck signing. Love Walker as our number 14. Bailey Surinin on the bench. Tom Arley, good to see him injury free and getting some time in first grade. And Jazz Tavanga was in Jersey 22. So yeah, up the fucking was. Sorry to Cowboys fans that I didn't talk too much about the Cowboys. But they got a huge game in Townsville up against the Titans. So expect an extended preview. I've done a shorter kind of takes on this weekend's action. Uh, I guess just because I kind of missed large chunks of it on the Saturday. Uh, but the preview, I'm going to go more in depth. And that's going to be a longer one. So if shorter podcasts are your go, this is probably for you, the weekend wrap. And if you want to hear me go way more in depth and really speak about both sides instead of just ranting about how much I love my team and then just throwing the knights in there uh, without any hesitation, um, well, the preview. The preview's the go, I think. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Let's move on to the Saturday night game. Brisbane were horsey on Saturday night, putting 40 points on the Dragons. 40 to 18, to be precise. A uh, double to Reese Walsh, a double to Katoni Staggs. Staggs in the team of the week for not just a sports report. Reese Walsh, almost in back to back weeks, player in the round. Uh, fucking hell. Broncos looking good. Now, I didn't see this game, so. I don't have a ton to comment on, um, especially because I'm going to be going on a pretty long Dolphins-Broncos preview. Uh, but yeah, 40-18. to 18. Now, I saw the score at the end when I was at the wedding, but yeah, I didn't realize Broncos had scored four times in the final 10 minutes. So like, that's a bit of a red flag for the Dragons, but at the same time, they actually were in the contest until the last 10 minutes. Um, and then they let it get away from them big time, big time. And it shows what the Brisbane Broncos are capable of. Uh, this young side for the last few years, they've been guilty of falling off right at the back end and being able to start well, but not being able to keep that going. And gee whiz, to finish with four tries, Reese Walsh looking special, Ezra Mam and Adam Reynolds, that is a combination I like a lot. And there's a lot to like in general about the Broncos. Carrigan in amazing form. Uh, then you have Payne Haas nominated for Tough Stuff. Corey Jensen was fantastic. The Brisbane Broncos are making serious waves. And i got to say, I'm here for it. 40-18, to 18, not the best from the Dragons. But like I said, I didn't see the game, so I can't really criticize them. Maybe they played fucking awesome until the last... Uh, 10 minutes. Maybe they didn't. Um, but I'm keen to preview the Dragons game for the next round. And in the next weekend wrap, I'll go more into the games uh, because I will have watched them all. But I didn't watch this one. I wish I did, though. 
Uh, no, I didn't, because I was if I, if the wedding wasn't on, then I wish I did. But wedding definitely took priority. I was glad. I just enjoyed the wedding. Uh, and yeah, I don't need to see the Broncos because they are ominous, and that scares me as a non-Broncos supporter, and as someone who lost Reese Walsh from the Warriors last year. So it's scary, and the fact that they've beaten Panthers, Cowboys. And now the Dragons, heading into a monumental game against the Dolphins, Broncos. Uh, now the main criticism was the finish to last season, so that's always going to be up in question until the very end. But you couldn't ask for a better start. 40-18, to 18, what a win. Now, let's get amongst the Sunday action, and then call this podcast a bloody day. Because I still got the preview one for round four to do. So, I got a bit on my plate. Let's get amongst Sunday now. Okay, on to Sunday. And I did watch both Sunday games. I was in the mood for some footy. Uh, So we started with Bulldogs 26-22 over the West Tigers at Belmore Oval. Or Belmore Sports Ground, rather. And what a place to play for the Bulldogs. A totally different outfit. I really like the setup. Cameron Sorreldo, all the guys involved, even the Willie Masons, Sonny Bill Williams coming to the club and passing on some knowledge. Uh, the recruits like Viliami Kikau, even last year Matt Burton, Josh Adokar, and joining Kikau this year, um, they've got they've got a few new names. Jacob Preston certainly making a name for himself. Reed Marnie. You've got Ryan Sutton. This this Bulldog side, they're exciting me a lot. And like I said, Warriors-Bulldogs in round four. So that's going to be a big game. But Tigers, they couldn't get it done in the first two rounds at Leichhardt. It felt like they were certainly not going to get it done at Belmore. Although I did expect them to be up for this contest. Now, they were, but Bulldogs just too good. Josh Adokar scoring a double I thought Matt Burton played phenomenally. Hayes Perham, a lot of doubters going into this year. Cameron Sorreldo wasn't one of them as far as Hayes Perham as a fullback. And Perham came through the Warriors system. And I've always liked him. I've been interested to watch how his career has gone since. And I think fullback is his most natural position. So I like this from the Bulldogs. I was surprised that Jake Avrilo, uh, Avrilo didn't get the jump. But Seraldo's clearly seeing something in Hayes Perham, and there were raps when he was coming through the Warriors that he could do some special things. So I think Perham and Kyle Flanagan deserve a massive shout-out because those were the two positions for the Bulldogs that I feel are going to eventually be filled by someone else to be like the marquee recruit. Uh, as far as Perham, he's going to be fighting off Stephen Crichton next year for that number one jersey. And for Kyle Flanagan, he's got someone like Carl Olpu, who is just a young gun, looks destined to take that jersey. Uh, it's it's very interesting. So Flanagan is holding it down right now. Perham, the whole team. you got two rising stars in Paul Alamotti and Jacob Preston. You've got Jacob Kiraz playing as good as anybody across the NRL right now. Uh, Jake Avarillo moving into the centres. And... He's had to experiment a few different positions. Halfback clearly wasn't the go, in my opinion. And last year, he looked really good at fullback. 
back in the centres where he's been a strike centre before and played quite well. Josh Adokar has added so much value to this Bulldogs side and he is right in contention for a wing spot for the Blues this year. Missed out in Origin last year. Um, Queensland ended up winning the series. Then Josh Adokar goes over to the World Cup and just fucking kills it. So Adokar, he is a featured member of this Bulldogs club. Matt Burton and Kyle Flanagan in the halves. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very impressive side. I liked what I saw throughout the game. Now, interestingly, for the Tigers, we saw Adam Dwayhe move to fullback during the game. Staines then moved from fullback to wing. We saw Brandon Wakeham, who actually was a Bulldog for a number of years, make his Tigers debut off the bench. Uh, we also saw John Bateman last weekend. So overall for the Tigers, I don't think it's panic stations. It's going to take a little bit of time for everything to click. I think now it's pretty clear that maybe they're going to come ninth. I don't see them as a top eight side. Very happy to be wrong. Uh, but Bulldogs, they're looking more like a top eight side with each each passing game. And this year, the closeness of the competition, there's still absolutely potential that we're going to see some major shocks as far as who misses out on the top eight this year. Thinking maybe the Storm. Uh, who else? Cowboys, potentially. That's a bit of a stretch, but it's you never know. Parramatta Eagles, off to a very poor, poor start. Uh, I have Cronulla Sharks doing very well, but they haven't had the best start. So if a couple of these teams have shock seasons and some of these sides like the Bulldogs and even the Dolphins and the Broncos who are on the up, I mean, it's going to be a very competitive season. That's what excites me across the board. My side's doing well personally and a lot of the lower sides are doing well. And I mean, it's just intriguing. It is intriguing. Let's leave it at that before I go on a fucking huge tangent. Uh, but yeah, Bulldogs, I've been highly impressed. West Tigers, I've been anything but impressed, but not super stressed about it. Uh, I think it will take some time. John Bateman is a gun. And I honestly, it's going to take me a while to think of my prediction for the Friday night game at Amy Park in round four. Storm against Tigers. I think Tigers are a live, live chance. I just want to see what team they name. Uh, because, yeah, there was some shifts last week with Wakeham moving into the halves, Dwayhe to fullback. I want to get a read of the Tigers team and the Storms team. I want to see if Cameron Munster's in there and Jerome Hughes. I think this talk Jerome Hughes may be missing. So, yeah, Tigers, if they lose to the Storm next weekend, then then I guess I'll address it then. I don't need to be negative or critical. Uh, but we'll see how they go. But yeah, I think Tiger's very much a live chance against the Storm. Uh, but Storm, then it'll be huge alarm bells if they don't respond. But that's next Friday. We'll save that for the preview. Congratulations to the Bulldogs in this one. Enjoy it, Bulldogs fans. Because the Warriors are fucking coming for you guys. Nah, I respect Bulldogs fans. I'm really happy to see them in the position they're in. And I don't think they're very far off being a premiership force. I'm thinking 2024, 2025, 
2023 question mark who knows they've had a great start to the year so bulldogs fans get excited i know i am about the mount smart game next weekend and of course i'll be previewing that one but now let's get on to the final game of the round and that was the raiders at home in canberra 24 to 20 over the sharks it was a really good performance Corey horsburgh walked his way or worked his way i don't know if he walked in there he scored a couple of tries to get in to the team of the week that's uh, so a huge game from Corey. that pretty much got them over the line i thought matt tomoko uh he played very well and yeah good to see the halves fogarty and jack whiten have a good game sharks they're gonna get nico hines back next weekend i still think overall they're definitely in with a shot at winning the premiership uh, but Canberra in Canberra, it's a tricky game to play. Raiders did not want to go 0-3. They are a far better side than doing that. And in recent years, they've been guilty of that. They've been guilty of having poor starts and not playing to their potential. So they had to get things going quickly. And to their credit, they have. I'm excited, given that Raiders are my second team. And as I said, my dad's wedding this weekend. He's a Raiders fan. There are some Raiders fans in the family. Um, mostly Raiders fans. I'm the Warriors fan. Tigers fan in there, my auntie, who had some cracking stories over the weekend, including one about Wayne Pierce giving her a call for her birthday uh, in his heyday, like when he was actually playing. And I was like, holy shit, good on Wayne Pierce. And I was like, the more she spoke about the Tigers, I was like, Oh, stop it. You're making me like these guys. Like, I I don't want to be hurt. I've seen how you Tigers fans have fucking had to suffer. I'm a Warriors fan. I'm not taking on double the stress. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I went the Omen pick. I picked Raiders in this one. Now, I was thinking Sharks were going to win. But I was like, my dad's getting married again. He's having another crack at it. Raiders, they were 0-2. They're having another crack at it. And they got it done. And I'm up and about about the Raiders again. They're playing the Knights in Newcastle next weekend. So, yeah, big statement of intent coming up. For Sharks, they get Nico Hines back next weekend. And that's where my main focus is now. It's 3.57pm on a Tuesday. So the weekend has been wrapped. And team lists are about to come out. So I'm jumping straight onto the preview whilst my excitement is at an all-time high. I'm going to do some notes uh, and just take about an hour to get myself ready, look at the teams, and really focus in on my picks. I want to go for a perfect or as close to perfect week in terms of my picks, uh, but it looks like a major danger round. I feel no confidence in basically all of the games I'm looking at, uh, so that should make for an exciting round. going to make it hard to do picks, uh, but it's going to be very intriguing as far as the games so i'm going to be doing a bit of a longer preview today i skimmed through some games maybe you have a team that you support and i didn't really talk about them as much as i did other sides so i'm going to try and keep that even across the board for the preview um and then with the dolphins broncos i'll just as long as that takes i don't know how long it's going to take i'll try not to go back to like 80 years ago and Redcliffe Dolphins and shit, you know, I'm trying not to go too, too deep, uh, just deep enough. So as long as that one takes, 
that'll be how long I'll take to put that one out uh, because I'm very excited about Dolphins Broncos and when I preview it I want to give it the credit it deserves and then across the board I'm going to talk about every other team as well and let's get excited it's a very fun round a dangerous round coming up in round four so make sure to gamble responsibly I'm not sponsored or anything by gambling but I like to uh, and to be honest, I don't do it very fucking responsibly. So take it from me. If you're gambling, gamble responsibly. I've seen some danger rounds in my time. And round four, it could very well be one of them. So I'm going to go away and work out who I'm choosing for round four. We've spoken about round three. This has been the weekend wrap. And I will be back next weekend. Probably a bit earlier. I'm thinking Sunday on Monday, the podcast will be released uh, for the weekend wrap round four. But next up, of course, is the preview podcast, uh, as I've said about a hundred times. So before I say anything else a hundred times, let me say something one time. Thank you for listening. Appreciate your support. Have a fucking unbelievable week. I hope you will. I'm sure you will, because you're, of course, going to tune in to the round four preview. And you're going to go, holy shit, I was excited before, now I am. It's uncontainable. It's off the charts. It's off the motherfucking Richter scale. Round four is going to be dope. And it is a dangerous round. I've said dangerous 99 times. It is my turn to sign off. Thank you for listening. And I'll be back tomorrow with the round four preview. 